One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombus donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombus.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi there. I'm Cindy Linden, and this is the Cook Along Podcast. There are a couple of rages going on that I thought I should address. There is a craze for vegan food, and it's again, it's that healthy thing. Although I'm sure you may have guessed by now that very few vegan recipes are vegan by the time I get done with them, which is going to be the case in this one too. But if you want it vegan, You just leave out a couple of the things I'm going to put in, and I will tell you those ahead of time so that you aren't taken by surprise by them. The other thing is the one pot meal craze. I totally get that. It makes it sound so fast, very easy, and like you don't have to wash many dishes. And with this one, that's mostly true. It's a very easy recipe, and it makes a very yummy soup because soup. Is always, always in style. I'm going to make for you a nice Italian soup. This is a lasagna soup, which is a thing, that's with a capital T, a thing that you might have seen popping up on the internet if you look at recipes there at all. It seems kind of a crazy idea to put lasagna noodles in a soup because there are so many other noodles that are easier to use. And much smaller, they fit in your mouth more easily, etc. That seem perfect for soup without doing anything to them. However, the thing about lasagna noodles is that they're thicker and they're denser. So when you put those into a soup, you get this nice chewy pasta that you don't get with any other pasta because they're all going to soak up the soup and get soft and. Sometimes you can't even tell you're eating a noodle, especially like if you're using a canned soup. You know what I'm talking about? You may have to slurp them, but that doesn't mean you could chew them. These you can chew, and that turns out to be the most fun thing I think about this whole recipe. The recipe comes from Tasty, tasty.co, and it is called Vegan Lasagna Soup, and it's part of their collection in One Pot Vegan Dinners. So, like I said, there's two really timely trending words. This one I've just really enjoyed, and I think you will too. It's got a number of really good things in it, and not a lot of bad things. And the only bad thing, in fact, is what I'm going to add to it. And it's not very bad, and it does make it taste better. Here are the ingredients in the recipe as it is stated on the Tasty website a tablespoon of olive oil. An onion, three cloves of garlic, two tablespoons of tomato paste, which 
may be easiest from a tube. If you haven't discovered yet that you can buy tomato paste in a tube, you might want to look for that. It's going to probably be on a high shelf in your grocery store, and it's not cheap. But when you only need a tablespoon, it seems crazy to open a whole can. Although there are ways to save what's left of a whole can of tomato paste, you might look for the tubes. So let's see, uh, two tablespoons of tomato paste, a teaspoon of dried basil, a teaspoon of dried oregano, a 28-ounce can of crushed peeled tomatoes, six cups of vegetable broth. That is, if you're using cartons, a carton and a half, a third of a cup of green lentils, and eight ounces of lasagna noodles. And we're not going to cook those ahead. They're going to cook in the soup. And three cups of fresh spinach and some fresh basil leaves. If you have them, this is optional, but it definitely adds to both the flavor and the color of the recipe. That is what they say to put in here. Now I've added some things. I recommend a pinch of pepper because there's no pepper in here. I also recommend a teaspoon of salt because there's also no salt in here. Now you get some probably in the vegetable broth, but it's really not a lot and I think it needs salt. And then because I live with a Sicilian, I know that there are a couple of things that when you make red sauce, you need to do to mellow the sauce out a little bit because it's going to have a really acidic bite. And you can either add just a pinch of baking soda or you can do what I do, which is add about a quarter of a teaspoon of sugar. I think that the baking soda takes away the acid and smooths it out. And to me, it's almost too much. It's like it takes away a part of the character of the tomato. Whereas when you add a little sugar, it adds something instead of subtracting something. And the sugar contrasts some of that acid. And so it just adds a little extra depth. So that's my preference. And then here is where I turn it non-vegan. I like to put a Parmesan rind in there. Whenever I grind up Parmesan, because I know if you've listened to anything I've done, you've heard me say not to use the stuff in the cardboard box. Grind it fresh yourself or get it at the grocery store, cut up, but don't use the cardboard stuff. It's just not worth your time or your money. And your taste buds will thank you when you use the real thing. So I grind my own in my food processor. I grate it until it's like, you know, powder, Parmesan powder. And there are parts of the cheese the food processor can't deal with. It's too dry and it's too hard. So I cut those off and I stick them in a plastic bag in my freezer. And then whenever I'm making something that I think can use a little additional umami, I throw in a rind of the Parmesan while it's cooking. And it does some interesting things. It doesn't stay hard. It gets kind of soft and gooey, and you'll need to fish it out before you serve the soup. But meanwhile, what it's doing is imparting some cheese flavor into the soup body itself, which is lovely. I recommend that. The other thing that I'm doing today, and this has got nothing to do with the recipe itself or with you, but I have in my refrigerator two cups of chicken broth that are left over waiting to be used. And then I have a whole brand new carton of vegetable broth, which is what you're supposed to use in here, which is four cups. And 
rather than open a second carton of vegetable broth, I'm going to replace two cups of the vegetable broth with chicken broth. And honestly, if I didn't have that, I might even contemplate substituting just water because there's not a ton of flavor in vegetable broth, and I'm betting that water wouldn't make that much difference. But I think you don't want to use all water. Although, you know what? If you don't have any broth and you don't want to go to the store and you have everything else you need, give it a shot. I mean, really, it's not going to be bad, no matter what, because of all the other stuff that is in here. There's some kind of fun things I'm going to be able to share with you as we do this. The equipment is so simple, and of course, that's part of the point of this recipe. You want a large pot and something to stir the soup with, and that's about it. I mean, you're going to have to open a can, and you're going to have to chop some stuff. So I guess I should count the knife and the can opener, but really, we're talking basic equipment here. And then if you want to do these ahead, you're going to dice your onion, and you're going to mince your three cloves of garlic, although I'm going to do that while you're listening. Your lentils should be rinsed. It's just a good idea because sometimes there's little rocks in there and stuff. It's good to rinse them and go over them really quickly with your hands. So it's just a third of a cup. It won't take you very long and it's just good practice. And then the other thing is your lasagna noodles. Your eight ounces of lasagna noodles, you're going to want to break up into little pieces. The recipe, as it's stated, tells you to break them into two inch long pieces. The times that I've made it, I didn't make them that big. The thought of trying to eat those, especially if anybody happens to look at you while you're doing it, it just seemed like a bad idea to me to have the pieces be that big. I probably broke them into closer to inch pieces maybe, and they were still pretty big because of course they grow as they're absorbing the liquid in the soup. They get a little bit bigger. I am going to this time break them even further. I want them really quite small. I really liked eating those big noodles, but the people I shared it with felt it was awkward to eat. So I'll make them really small this time, little shards of lasagna noodle, and we'll see if that makes it easier to eat without compromising the thick, dense texture of the lasagna that I told you about. So I'm going to do my do-aheads while I'm talking to you. When it says one onion, which is what you hear me peeling, that's really vague. I tend to buy sweet onions, which are usually huge. Which, you know what, is kind of interesting to me because I read an article yesterday that was talking about making onion rings and that sweet onions were not always big enough to make onion rings out of because they're smaller than yellow onions. That's not true, at least in my neck of the woods. The sweet onions are almost always at least have again as big as the yellow ones. So what I have here in my hand is probably 40% of a sweet onion. And I'm going to use that because I've already started it, really. That's the honest truth. And it's in my refrigerator, and that's the next thing to use up rather than starting something else in order to be able to say I used a whole onion. Because the other onion I have here is another sweet onion, and it's enormous. It's bigger than a baseball. So what I'm going to do to chop this onion is I've already cut it in half sideways with the root in one hand. All right, now I have the root facing up on the half in front of me, and I'm cutting that in half. 
and then I'm putting that half root down on the cutting board and slicing sideways horizontally into this onion up to almost the root and I'm going to do that twice and you really got to watch your fingers on this and then you just sort of slice down with the tip of the knife toward the root end and you make these notches and it's not going to necessarily stay together it's okay you're chopping them anyway and then you go crosswise to that I'm sure this does not translate well since it's just audio but you can see people do this online and it just makes less chopping it means that by the time you finish doing that your onions all chopped and you don't have to chop it up on the cutting board itself now I'm doing the same thing with the other half so the root is up and in my hand and I am slicing horizontally to the cutting board twice and then straight down with the point of the knife toward the root a whole bunch of times and then kind of hold it together with my hand and turn it so the root is now on the cutting board and cut straight down toward the cutting board perpendicular to where I was before. Chopping onions is kind of a pain. You will find that they produce less of the stuff that makes you cry if you have refrigerated your onion ahead of time. I'm always caught by surprise when I pull one out of my onion basket here on my counter because I forget that if they're not refrigerated, they'll do that. Most of the time I have at least part of an onion in my refrigerator. And I'm just now chopping up a few of the really bigger pieces that are sitting here just because, I don't know, they look too big to me. And that looks like a lot of onion. I was thinking about supplementing it with a little piece of shallot I have left over, but this looks like quite a lot of onion to me. I'm not going to worry about it. The garlic is much easier if you have a garlic press. If you don't have a garlic press, I recommend that you get one. I have told this story numerous times on this podcast that when it said minced garlic, I always used to mince my garlic. And then I read that a professional kitchen that cooks all day, the America's Test Kitchen, their whole reason to exist is to find things that make life easier and better for household cooks. They use a garlic press instead. So I got myself a garlic press with really big holes, and that's what I do to mince them. They don't mince them at all. They put them through their garlic press. That's three cloves of garlic, which, if we haven't done this together in a while, you separate your cloves out. You cut off the little dry end that's just kind of brown and nasty. That's part of what keeps the skin attached to the clove. You just get rid of those. Don't want them. They're no use to you. Use the flat of the knife to smash the garlic cloves a little bit. That will make the skin come right off. Then you just peel them with your fingers. A cook I respect. Put a garlic clove through their garlic press without taking the skin off first. And I guess it's doable. I just think that to me that's counterintuitive. Because it means the skin is getting in the way of letting the garlic squish out. It seems crazy. So here's one I'm crushing through the grate right now. Here's number two. And here goes number three. You see 
how much faster this is than standing here and mincing garlic. There was number three. And then all you got to do is kind of clean it out of the garlic press. And the bits that are inside the garlic press are perfectly good to use. It just didn't get squished through, but it's still garlic and it's not skin because you peeled the skin off. So you can bunch that up and send it through one more time or just scrape it out of there and use it as it is because why not? So that's all the chopping we have to do. Now I'm getting my green lentils, which I have to go down to my basement pantry for. You could use any lentils here, okay? Because there are red lentils, there are brown lentils, there are yellow lentils. The recipe recommends the green lentils because of how long they take to cook. The red lentils fall apart so fast that you really don't have any texture left. They're great for something like dal, which if I have not made that for you, D-A-L, I will. It's good stuff. An Indian dish that you may want to try, but... We don't want them to completely fall apart for this recipe. And the green lentils are the ones that will kind of stay the right texture for what we want to do. And I am measuring those into a sieve in order to rinse them off. For those of you who aren't usually vegan, this would be your source of protein. It's a legume and legumes have a good amount of protein in them. What we're doing is just sort of stirring these lentils around with our hand to see if there's any rocks in there or anything that just looks like we don't really want it. And it also cleans off any dust that's on there. All right, those are now ready to go. And when I first saw this recipe, I thought it was very odd to put lentils in it because it touts itself as lasagna, although it's soup. But well, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I would never put lentils in lasagna, and I would never put lentils in tomato soup. So it seemed like it would be interesting. I kind of was intrigued by the idea of the texture that those would give to this soup. I don't care about the vegetarian nature of it because I'd be happy to put Italian sausage or something in here. However, this is really quite good without anything like that, and the lentils give it a little chewiness that are really lovely. Now I have a little silicone finger bowl that I am going to put the herbs in. The dried herbs go in all at once, so you can put them together. So I can just dump them in. And that is, again, a teaspoon of dried basil, which hopefully you have some of that's not too old. You can tell when it stops smelling, it's time to replace it. Or when it's like barely smelling, it's time to replace it. And then a teaspoon of dried oregano. Those are now together in their little bowl. Also in this bowl, because it can all go in at the same time, I'm going to put my pinch of pepper, which I just take from the container on my stove top, nothing special. The teaspoon of salt. I think it's so odd that there's absolutely no salt in this recipe. I certainly noticed it the first time I made it. I had to add a bunch of salt at the table. Really, why not just take care of it when you're cooking it? And your quarter of a teaspoon of sugar. I know it doesn't seem like very much and that it might seem kind of pointless to you, but I need you to trust me on this. It makes a difference. It makes a difference in how those tomatoes hit your palate, even just that little quarter of a teaspoon. And now I'm going to go away and break up my lasagna because... Last time I did it over the pot, last time I made this, and that was fine. But what if it was already all done, you know? 
this is a thing that makes up so quickly that once you start dinner, you better be ready to eat dinner very soon. It's start to table in about half an hour, probably. So I figure get everything ready before you start. Then you just sort of pour everything in and then you wait 10 minutes and let it cook and then you're done and then you serve it and that's that. In other words, I'm recommending that you go ahead and break up your lasagna noodles. They break pretty easily. Break them up to whatever size you like. If you want an adventure, break them big. If you want ease of eating, break them tiny. When they're all broken up, your eight ounces, which is, by the way, about eight and a half lasagna noodles. And then come on back and we'll throw this together and it comes together very fast. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It. 
There are two more things you're gonna wanna have ready to go. The first is your fresh spinach. And you'll wanna pull out ahead of time your three cups of that. Get it measured and into a bowl so that you don't have to think about it later. And three cups is a pretty sizable bowl because spinach is big at this point. And you wanna kinda squish it down into your measuring cup. You wanna fill it up so that it's kinda squashed down cause you know, this is part of what makes this recipe good for you. Everything in this recipe is probably good for you except for the Parmesan cheese rind I'm gonna stick in. When you get it into your bowl, it's gonna look like you have way more than three cups but it reduces down to almost nothing. If you ever cook with fresh spinach, you already know this. And if you don't, you should. Fresh spinach behaves differently than frozen spinach, and I kind of like that. It's kind of fun how fast it cooks. I have here a package that is five ounces. So I've just taken out my three cups, and there's maybe another cup worth in here. And I will save that for another day. I was tempted to go ahead and use it, but I think I won't. Because spinach goes in so many things. When it's fresh, you just throw it in and it sort of wilts and disappears and is still good for you. You take your tablespoon of olive oil, which I don't even measure. I just make a little pool of olive oil in the pan on the stove. This is your big pot. Put your olive oil in there and turn the pan on to medium-high. Get your onions ready to go and just watch your pan for a moment. It should happen fairly quickly. I've got an electric stove here, so it takes a little bit longer than if you have a gas one. I could have done this, I guess, on my induction cooktop, but I put it in the wrong kind of pan, so that isn't going to happen now. I do like my induction cooktop. It's a kind of a new toy for me, and I am astonished by how fast it cooks things, sometimes too fast for me. And something that isn't supposed to boil comes to boiling so fast that I, I don't even know what to do about it. So I have to be kind of cautious, but I really like it. It's fun to cook with because it's so fast. That's an aside that has absolutely nothing to do with today's recipe. The oil, as it warms up, will start to spread out a little bit and smell nice. Yeah, smells like good olive oil. And then you'll see it start to do something kind of funny. And it'll look like... They call it shimmering, but it's more like it starts to make little waves, but it can't possibly be making waves because nothing is moving in there. It's also close to its smoke point when you're using olive oil in particular, so watch it carefully. In go the onions. I was right. That was way enough onions. This is a lot of onions. And it was maybe, like I said, not even half of a sweet onion. We just need to stir this around in that oil until they sort of soften up a little bit and turn what they call translucent, which they don't really, they don't really do that. But they will be less white than they are now and more of a sort of, well, I don't know what to say, but softened, softened and, and not hard and white anymore is what we're looking for. Probably two to three minutes. I think I have mine a little too hot. Turning it down a little bit. We don't even need it all the way transparent. We just want them to start to soften. Because this is going to simmer for a few minutes. And that will give it a chance to soften these onions up. But by cooking them right now, first, we're releasing a lot of the flavor of those onions. That might otherwise not come to fruit 
if we just cooked them in the sauce without heating them up first. Well, what they're actually doing is turning a little yellow. I'm stirring them pretty constantly because I don't want them to toast. I'm not looking for them to caramelize in any way. So I'm keeping them moving and fishing out a piece of onion skin I just found. All right. Close enough. They're no longer hard and white. That's good enough for me. Now the garlic. Add the garlic to that pan. Here's where it's going to start to make your whole house smell really good. Also in here goes the tomato paste. That two tablespoons that you had pulled out of your tube if you had one or out of your can. And if you took it out of a can, I'll tell you in a second what to do with it. And then your dry spices. So that's the basil, the oregano, the salt, and the sugar, and the pepper that we put together. Go ahead and sprinkle those things in there too. And then stir it up and it needs another two to three minutes or until it starts to smell really good and the onions really, they look different. Because translucent to me means you can see through them. You will never see through an onion, okay? It just isn't going to happen. So your guess about when to stop it really has to do with when the herbs smell really nice and the onions don't seem hard anymore. And we're talking probably two to three minutes. It's not a long process. And what I was going to tell you about the tomato paste, you've maybe heard me say before if you listen a lot to this podcast, which is if you take it out of a, one of those little tomato paste cans, just put some foil or plastic wrap over the top of what's left in the can. Don't put the metal lid back on, just cover it with the foil and stick that in your freezer. And then next time you need tomato paste, what you do is you pull it out of your freezer and you set it in just a tiny bit of warm water or hot water and then take a can opener to the bottom of the can and it'll create a way to push that whole plug of the rest of the tomato paste all the way through the can out the top. It's very cool. It's still frozen, but it's a good way to save it, not keep it in your refrigerator where it needs to be used immediately. All right, the next thing we're gonna add is the can of crushed tomatoes, which I wish I'd opened earlier because my tomato paste is now kind of burning to the bottom of my pan, but it'll come up when I add this liquid. It's okay, this'll kind of deglaze the pan a little bit. So in they go. Get it all out of that can. This is an important flavor component here, this tomato part. This is what makes this lasagna soup. And also in here now goes all of the broth. Six cups of broth. And like I said, for me, that's going to be four cups of vegetable and two cups of chicken from the fridge just because that is what I have. You could use all chicken. You could use all vegetable. I suppose you could use beef. I think it doesn't matter. I do honestly think water would do, although it wouldn't be nearly as flavorful. And I am actually glad I'm using chicken broth because I think chicken broth has more flavor to it than vegetable broth. And then also add your lentils at this point. And give it a stir and we're gonna bring it to a boil. 
I'm telling you ahead of time because I'm about to go away. Once it starts to boil, you're going to increase the heat to medium high if it's not already there and let it cook for 10 minutes. Don't start your timer until it's actually boiling. Your lentils will be kind of halfway cooked, halfway tender, but not all the way done all the way through. And at that point, come back and I'll tell you what the next step is. Oh, by the way, before you go away, this is also where if you're going to use that Parmesan rind, this is when you put it in there. And if you have two of them, do that. After this 10 minutes, you'll find that your Parmesan chunks, if you're using them, I should say rinds because they're not just cheese. Those would melt. That's not necessarily a good thing. Um, but these have sunk to the bottom and they're trying to stick. You'll also notice that your soup has thickened a little bit and that your lentils floating around in there, those green lentils, are still easily discernible. You can easily tell that they're still solid individual lentil pieces. If we had used the red lentils, these would be completely cooked by now. And that would not be a helpful thing because it's going to cook for another 10 or 15 minutes here. And then the lentils would be completely um, decomposed. No, probably that's a really bad word to use. They would be mush and there would not be actual beans anymore. What we're doing now is we're adding the noodles. So you've got all those broken bits of noodles or you can stand and break them over the soup if you haven't already broken them up. Stir them around and you may want to stir this every once in a while so they don't stick together. And then we're going to cook the soup for another 10 to 15 minutes. Set your timer for 10 minutes. Then check your noodles and see if they're done or if they're still too crunchy. And if they're not done, then give it another five minutes or so, but you're probably not gonna need more than 15 minutes tops. While the soup is in its last few minutes of simmering, we're gonna make a garnish for it. I know I don't usually do this, but this particular garnish is fresh basil. I love the taste of fresh basil, and so it seems like a garnish that belongs here. I could eat the soup without, but I really like it in the soup. So there's no point in scamping. I have the basil, let's do it. What we want to do is cut these in what's called a chiffonade, which you've probably seen on food you eat at a restaurant. It's tiny little thin ribbons of something on top. And that's not hard to accomplish. And I'm going to tell you how to do it. It just looks beautiful. And because I really like basil and I think it belongs in this soup, I'm not being shy about how much basil I'm using. I have a huge container of fresh basil. Yes, I had to go buy it because it's winter and I can't make my basil plants stay alive, even in the house in the winter. If you get some fresh basil, you want to pull some of the really nice big leaves off the stems. They don't have to all be the same and it doesn't really matter. I'm using a lot of basil because once it's no longer a garnish, it's also just nice in the soup. What we're doing is making a stack. We're stacking this basil. Just one leaf on top of another in a stack. I think I'm gonna have to do two stacks because I'm using so much basil. So I'm gonna make two stacks of these leaves. And then I'll take a picture to put on the website to show you. You wanna get rid of the stems and just keep the leaves and make beautiful tall stacks of them. If you have an especially large basil leaf, 
if you want to put it on the bottom of the stack, it might make your life easier in a couple of minutes. I have some smaller leaves. I'm putting those in the middle of the stack and getting rid of the stems. All right, I have two stacks here. And what we're going to do is going the long way, rolling up. In other words, not rolling the tips down to the stems, but rolling the long way. You're rolling them into a tube. And then set the tube on your cutting board. And then starting at the tip, make really thin slices with your knife. And just go all the way down to the bottom of the leaf. And you'll see that what you're getting here is little rolls. And just go ahead and do the whole thing that way until it's all in thin little rolls. I just really like basil. It's probably my favorite herb, so I am uh, using a lot of it. Here's the fun part. You just sort of take that and you toss it gently. You don't want to throw it over the edge or anything. But you sort of now loosen up those spirals. Just... Toss them around a little and gently loosen them. And what you end up with looks like confetti or that stuff you find at Easter grass. That's it. Thick, wide Easter grass that you get in the Easter basket. And that is a chiffonade. That is the style of cutting you just did. And when the soup is ready to serve, you can either put some of these strings on the top of the whole pot or on each serving bowl, sprinkle a little small handful or however much of this basil you want to on the top of each soup bowl. You'll notice the soup is a lot thicker now and really is no longer looking like just broth of some sort. It's looking like a very hearty soup. And we've only got three more steps to do, and they're all very fast. The first is if you can fish through there and find your cheese rinds. This is a good time to pull them out. I found one of mine. I didn't find the other one yet, and I'm not worried about that because I know that when I go to ladle this up, they're going to show up, and then I can just pull it out at that time. The other two steps, that spinach that you measured out is going in there right now. Just put it on top of everything in the pan and push it down in and stir it around. And what's going to happen is it's going to shrivel up and what they call wilt, which really means almost disappear. But that's another word for wilting is almost disappear. It becomes just a tiny part of the soup instead of what looks like it's going to be the only ingredient for a bit there. But have faith, it will go into almost nothing very quickly. Mine is almost all done cooking right now. And the soup is now finished and ready to serve, except for that basil that we did the chiffonade on. And you have two options here, like I said. You could sprinkle that over the soup right now and it'll get stirred in as you ladle things out or put it on top of the bowl as you serve it, which is a much prettier way to do it. Your soup is now done. A one pot, no longer vegan lasagna soup that you made in about half an hour and wait till you taste it. You are going to be so happy with this. I was thrilled when I found how good this tasted because it doesn't seem to me like it has very many things in it. 
It definitely needed the salt. You may even need more at the table. If you've already messed up your vegan characteristic by adding the Parmesan rind I suggested, then you might want to also add some more Parmesan at the table because why not? Parmesan is always good. I would serve this with a loaf of crusty bread, something Italian-ish. You could serve it, in fact, with garlic bread. And that would be very nice. Very, very nice. Please tell a friend today that you listen to the Cook Along podcast and suggest that they pick a recipe to listen to. All the old recipes are currently accessible on your podcast feed, whatever you use. Going all the way back to when I started this four and a half years ago. Wow. If you want to share a thought about a recipe or an idea for a recipe that you'd like to have me cook as a podcast, you can reach out to me on my website. Again, thecookalongpodcast.com. There's a contact page. Or you could also reach out to me on Facebook. I'm excited to say that my Facebook follower numbers have gone up about 800 people this week in just a week. And I'm thrilled about that. And you could be one of them. I post all the recipes both new and old, all those podcasts show up as highlighted on Facebook every few days. So you can look for me there, the Cook Along Podcast. Go enjoy your warm soup. Just kind of revel in how lovely and silky and comforting this is and how nice it is to have something Italian because it's always nice to have something Italian. And until next time, happy cooking. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're enjoying this podcast, you can make a contribution through the supporter link on every Cook Along podcast page or go to Ko-fi. 
ko-fi.com slash the cook along podcast. Thanks for your support and thanks for listening.